We read today this Old Testament lesson, the Hebrew Bible, from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, verses 7 through 13. This is the prophet speaking. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is all around. Denounce him, let us denounce him. All my close friends are watching for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed, and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me, like a terrifying warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble, and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, you test the righteous. You see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For God has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of evildoers. Let me tell you a little bit about how I got to know Jeremiah. Years ago, I was a volunteer scripture reader in the church that Bill and I attended in the mountains. And it seemed that every time it was my Sunday, I had to read from Jeremiah. And those readings, as you probably guessed, could be hard. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of despair, a lot of woe. Later in divinity school, I learned that Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and I thought, well, that fits. And I also learned that the ancient Hebrew text of Jeremiah can be very hard to translate. I had this one verse in a homework assignment whose syntax was so twisted and ambiguous that I just sweated bullets over it, and I finally turned to the back of the book and looked up the answer. It was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I had to laugh about a month later when the college care committee of the congregation that I worshiped with sent me a refrigerator magnet inscribed with a verse from Jeremiah 29:11. I laughed, first of all, because it was so great in my late 40s to be receiving the ministry of a college care committee and also because I just couldn't seem to get away from Jeremiah. And so to this day, when Jeremiah shows up in the lectionary, I like to help other people get to know him too. The fact that we can get to know him is kind of special because most of the prophetic books naturally focus on what the prophets say and not so much who the prophets are. And a lot of Old Testament prophecy dealing with ancient cultures and very specific historical situations is hard for us to relate to. But with Jeremiah, we get not only the prophecy, but the prophet himself. And he is a fellow human being in whom we can recognize 
something of ourselves. Like us, he has a family. It's a priestly line. He has a home, the land of the tribe of Benjamin, and a time period sometime between the 7th and 6th centuries BCE. His story begins when he receives his call to prophecy. The Lord put out a hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, now I have put my words into your mouth. After that promising beginning, Jeremiah launches with great fervor into his career. He stands in the most public places and says the most disagreeable things. He accuses the people of being unfaithful to God. He uses insulting metaphors. You are like leaky cisterns that can hold no water. Sometimes he bypasses the memoirs and goes right to the point. Everyone is greedy for unjust gain, and from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Jeremiah sees the weakness of his tiny nation of Judah. He feels the threat bearing down on them from powerful neighbors, and he cries out for the people to pay attention. I know you'll be shocked to hear this, but his preaching made him unpopular. He suffers at least three attempts on his life. His first publication is a disaster. As the scrolls of his prophecy are read to the king, the king calmly cuts them apart with a knife and burns it section by section in the fire. When Judah is invaded by Babylon, Jeremiah is taken hostage by some of his own people and carted off to Egypt by a group fleeing the invasion. Now, as all of this is happening, Jeremiah does what any human being would eventually do. He cries out. And we can relate. The cry of Jeremiah is the cry of any human being who does not feel up to bearing the life they are given. Jeremiah's cries are recorded in six passages that are sometimes called his laments. And in these laments, Jeremiah demands that the God who called him now listen to him as he traces the development of his call and his troubles and his despair. In the first lament, Jeremiah complains of an assassination plot against him. In the second lament, he describes the joy with which he accepted his calling But then he tells how he watched people making merry around him, paying no attention to his prophecy, and he withdrew. Under the weight of your hand, he says, I sat alone, for you had filled me with indignation. Notice that weight. The joy of the calling has become a burden. Jeremiah goes on to complain of unceasing pain that refuses to be healed. In his third lament, he cries out for healing. In the fourth lament, Jeremiah reveals a side of humanity that we would all prefer to hide. He gets vengeful. Forget about healing me, God. Just punish my enemies. Jeremiah cannot help reminding God how well he has carried out his calling. And he cries plaintively, is evil a recompense for good? And he looks around for someone to blame for his unhappiness. Frustrated and hurt, he takes upon himself the job of judging his neighbors and even suggesting how God should deal with them. 
Mostly these suggestions involve violence. I don't know if any time that kind of thinking has helped anyone, but I can say for sure that it does not help Jeremiah. For now we come to his fifth text, which is our, his fifth lament, which is our text for today. Jeremiah is exhausted. He complains that God has tricked him into this calling. Oh Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. To accept God's call felt like such a joy. But the message he was called to deliver has made him an outcast. Trying to protect himself from the scorn of his neighbors, he comes up with a trick of his own. I will not mention the Lord, he says, or speak any more in his name. But what happens? Then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. God's hand is a weight pushing down. God's word is a force pushing out. It feels like so much more than Jeremiah can bear. Depending on our circumstances, there is a lot we may share with Jeremiah. Confusion, fear, isolation, exhaustion, a tendency to blame, even fantasies of vengeance. We may even on our worst days relate to the despair in his sixth lament when Jeremiah wishes he had never been born. In other words, just like this ancient prophet, we may not always feel able to bear the life we have been given. But there is something else we share with Jeremiah, and that's a calling. Now, I don't mean that we're all called as prophets, that maybe some of you are. Probably all of us will have or have had at least one moment in our lives when we are called to speak for God. But however we may be called at different times to perform specific actions like speaking for God, working for God, witnessing for God, at all times we are called to bear life. And in bearing life, we bear God's glory. In bearing life, we bear God's glory. What does that require of us? First, it requires us to accept that our lives are important to God and to others. Even when the circumstances of these lives are bewildering, exhausting, confusing, isolating, shattering, we must not reject them, and we must not, by living them carelessly, cheapen the great gift and privilege that our lives represent. It requires, as it says in our Moravian ground of the unity, that we not withdraw from the world, withholding our lives from others through pride, indifference, or fear. We are called to bear our lives and to bear God's glory for the sake of the world. It requires us to develop a reverence for the divine within us and seek to understand how that divinity invites us into active partnership with God in the world for the sake of others. In Hebrew, the word that means glory has the same root as the word that means heaviness. 
Sometimes God's glory can feel like the weight of God's hand on Jeremiah's head as Jeremiah sat alone. It feels like a weight because we know the thing to be contained, God's glory is way too big, far greater than this container. We know we are much too small and too frail to contain that much greatness. And like Jeremiah, we may weep because we fear. We're not up to that task. Only one human being was ever able to fully bear the life he was given and the glory of God within it. Again, quoting the ground of the unity, our Lord Jesus Christ entered this world's misery to bear it and to overcome it. Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully divine. We are fully but only human. Shall we then go weeping over our unworthiness to bear the glory of God? As you heard the Apostle Paul say today, by no means. Inadequate as we are, God has called us to bear this weighty glory, this glorious weight. How shall we manage? Here's one thought. If we share Jeremiah's struggles, we also can share his prayers. The laments of Jeremiah are prayer formulas that are common throughout the Old Testament. For thousands of years, prayers like these have helped people voice their anguish in the worst of times. And to pray such prayers is to express our trust in God. Only someone who truly believes that God can and will help will dare to challenge the Lord so forthrightly. Whatever ideas Jeremiah has or we have about what God should do, to pray as a challenge to God is to take our prayers and place, place them in God's hands for answers and to be prepared to embrace God's answers when they don't match our own. In today's text, which began in such despair, Jeremiah prays his way back to confidence in the God to whom he had committed his cause. Could it be that this confidence reflects a kind of growth? That Jeremiah, while praying, grew just enough to bear the weight another day? Maybe some part of him outgrew a fear. Maybe some part of him outgrew an old concept. Maybe he outgrew a self that he had discovered is really just not quite up to snuff. Maybe now his arms can open just a little bit more, reach just a little bit farther as he feels the glory of God expanding within him. What proved most exhausting to Jeremiah was his attempt to hold God in. We could learn from that. We could take the pressure off ourselves and let God burst forth, speaking, working, witnessing, and living boldly and joyfully and lovingly. And here, too, Jeremiah offers us something to relate to. It would not be fair to leave Jeremiah weeping. After the laments, his story has a section that's sometimes called the Book of Consolation. 
And in that section, Jeremiah prophesies that Israel's broken relationship with God will be restored and the restoration will bring joy. So hear now the word of the Lord. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. What is being described here but a people who have opened themselves to the glory of the Lord and so grown larger and stronger and much more joyful. A people who sing. A people who dance. A people who live into the plans God has made for them. Plans to give them a future and a hope. We too are those people. We too can live into those plans. We can bear life. We can bear the glory of God. We can bear it with gratitude and with joy. Amen.